This podcast is about getting spooked for fun, and the hosts aren't associated with the attractions discussed in any way, except for all those skeletons in my closet. Some of the topics we discuss may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. There's a Mickey Mouse behind you, and he has a big knife. Oh, my God. Look out. Boss, sir. Look out. He might be one of those... What are the haunted ones oh, in the, the ritual game? It's one of the false Mickey Mouse. You have to stab him in the heart Now, I didn't think that the false came with weapons. No, they do now. It's a special <laughs> knife. It's in... This is a new... Oh, wait. You're wearing VR goggles. Take them off. It was... Disney oh. World's new attraction. It was a simulation. That's so terrifying, and it's called Dark Disney, <laughs> or Disney for short. That sounds like a Michael but, Eisner attraction. Yeah, he came back for this one. <laughs> they wanted to get another spooky one, and Alien Encounter didn't work out. Yeah. By this time, he said, "How about Mickey, but bad?" But and they took all the concept art from Epic Mickey, and then they made this ride. Are you scared? Oh, I tear anything Michael Eisner is involved with. I'm terrified. Yeah. Well, speaking of Michael Eisner and scary attractions, um, this is the Great American Scream. That was a horrible intro bit, but we're going with it. Um, hi, my name is Devin Wright. Hi, my name is Adam O'Connell. And today uh, we're talking about scary theme park attractions, and we have a special guest. We have a special guest uh, coming all the way straight to you from 10 feet across the hallway from me. It is my brother and theme part expert, Chris O'Connell. Yay! Yay! Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Of course, anything for our biggest fan. Our big, our first <laughs> iTunes review. <laughs> our first iTunes review, our biggest fan. Actually, and Devin, the- I think you were our first iTunes review. Yeah, I'm also. I also am our biggest fan, actually. <laughs> take 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 um, this moment. Pause the everyone who's listening. Pause the podcast. Go review us on iTunes <laughs> and share us if you're listening on Spotify, which is a well. I I don't want to say it's a better podcasting platform because what if we get like anyway, it's a good podcasting platform that we are now on, and you can share us uh, on Spotify. Anyway, let's get to today's topic. Uh, Adam, please lead the way. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I thought it would be really fun. This is less of a deep research dive and more of like a fun little comparison game where we're going to talk about the top five, in our opinions, best scary theme park attractions. Now, by this, I don't mean like the scariest attractions, although they are all very spooky, but the best scary or horror themed attractions that the world has to offer. Yeah. Or rides that inspired true not just scare, but horror Terror. in us when we wrote them. Not like, uh, as you have in our notes, we're not talking about high roller coasters. If we were, it would be my dream come true. But today we're not talking about roller yeah. coasters. We're talking about uh, rides that spooked us. Yeah. Um, these are all going to be attractions. Some of mine are not horror rides. <laughs> these are all going to be attractions and theme parks. They do not have to be still operating, but they should be permanent attractions. So we're not talking like Halloween Horror Nights houses or Six Flags Fright Fest or anything. These are all stuff that you can get your spooks on year round, baby. Yes. And 
uh, mostly of all ages because most of mine are uh, terrifying from the perspective of four to ten year old Devin. You were also not like Devin said, we're not considering roller coasters that are scary just because they're very tall or very fast unless they are deliberately spooky themed or horror themed. So like not King Ka, but if we're talking the Smiler or 13, then yeah. Yeah, which I, I have, I understand because we're a horror podcast, although one of the scariest experiences I ever had in any theme park was one time I did ride King Ka with my phone in my pocket <gasps> and my phone uh, a second after the launch ended up not in my pocket and oh. was floating up behind my back. Um, and that was true terror. Did you but catch apparently it? that wasn't enough. Of course I caught it. Like, and then I, uh, I turned to my friend next to me with my phone clutched in my hand while going up the tallest roller coaster in the world. And I looked at him and he looked at me and we screamed like we were <laughs> Thelma and Louise flying off the, the cliff. It was incredible. But that's not what the list is about. Yeah, we're and talking we're go fun through our screams, not real danger. <laughs> not real danger of dropping your phone from several hundred feet. So we're going to go through everybody's number five, then number four, then number three, number three, number one. And we're going to have a small discussion. Some of ours have repeats, so we will talk about them the first time they're mentioned and then just kind of pass over them anytime they're mentioned again. And uh, as a kind of tiebreaker, since we're two dummies, we have we have Chris to uh, <laughs> yeah. help us break the tie of who has the spookiest attractions. Yeah, I also totally wanted to talk about as many great horror themed or scary themed attractions as we can. So it's nice to have three different lists going on. Yeah. So why don't we start with our number five? Yes. Chris, would you like to begin as our guest? Sure, I can start. All right. What is your number five? My number five would actually be it's tough to be a bug. Yes. Um, In Disney's Animal Kingdom. We are starting off strong. This was my... Devin, this was on your list. Yes, this was my number two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> number two scariest ride I've ever ridden. This thing is brutal. Can you give us a little rundown? Sure. This, yeah. thing, this thing's brutal. <laughs> so it was opened uh, April 22nd, 1998. Um, it opened in Disney, Disney's Animal Kingdom, excuse me. And it actually opened seven months prior to the film. Which is ballsy of them. Apparently, people were pissed because they were like, we don't want any non-Disney properties on our rides. And Pixar now had its second ride when it only had one feature film, which I find hilarious because Disney has always had like Delta presents the history of flight or whatever. And people weren't pissed about corporate sponsors, but were very angry that Flick the Ant got to be in this Disney park. I would like to think that they actually didn't have a film. They didn't have a Bugs Life planned. And then this <laughs> ride came out and everyone was like, oh, I can't wait for this movie. And Disney was like, yeah, the movie. And then they had a commission Pixar sure. to make this movie really fast. Yeah. And it was originally going to be a horror movie. But then they saw all the children running out in terror and they were like, well, it can't be a horror movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, Chris, unsurprisingly, un, unsur- unsurprisingly so. The uh, the self-proclaimed king of bringing in things that probably shouldn't be happening um, and forcing it down your throat, the one, the only Michael Eisner came up with this. The villain of this podcast, Michael <laughs> yes. Eisner. Not the first time he comes up my list. And, well, it is first time, but certainly not the last. Um, so... It was uh, slated to be in the Tree of Life. Uh, as He wanted a show in the Tree of Life. But it's hard to find a show that would work. So they had this property, had this idea, and Eisner said, okay, let's try to do a kind of a, a, a marketing campaign where we can run this show 
and maybe people will be interested in the movie because of the show. So, yeah. And I mean, that that makes sense. But for Michael Eisner to be like, these beautiful engineers built this beautiful tree for me and now I'm going to put bugs in it. I didn't like it. I want to uh, my experience before you go into more history. I was I was four years old and I went in this big tree and I was so excited. My cousin Casey and I cried the whole time <laughs> and I love bugs. They're very good. I love bugs so much. They're my good friends. And they keep the dirt nice and strong for plants. <laughs> but I, in this show, the bugs crawl all over you and bite you and they wrap you up in spider silk and slowly dissolve your flesh. And I didn't like it. <laughs> that happened. I was there. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, can you please, because I didn't do much research on the ride. <laughs> oh, I was just trying to do memory recall. Could you tell the audience what the ride actually is other than a terror trap for children? <laughs> Sure. So the, the, the freakiest part in the beginning is that when you start, when you actually walk in, I'm referring mostly to the Animal Kingdom one because the one in California Adventure um, in Disneyland actually closed to make ways for the new Avengers campus. Um, so disregarding that one for now, the queue is actually gorgeous. When you walk through it, you get such beautiful views of the Tree of Life. You see animals carved into it that you couldn't see just from walking around. And then it kind of evolved into this colorful like cavern. And it's got all these mock uh, Broadway posters from bugs like Beauty and the Bees, Website Story, things that like that. Just ridiculous. Very bugs. good. I'm so into it. I enjoy Even that the music very much. you hear. It's just bug versions of those songs. <laughs> and um you basically are in the waiting room and it's so unsuspecting and that's what makes it weird. There is one warning sign, I will say, full disclosure, on the sign. It does have the traditional uh, warning signal that Disney puts up saying, hey, this might be frightening for children, but it's a bug's life. I mean, of course, we're going to kind of disregard that. So, yeah, it's a dang Disney movie. It's not Alien Encounter. Yeah, we're not getting eaten by a xenomorph. I want to see my good friend Flick and definitely not the Kevin Spacey character, but I want to see it. <laughs> it's funny because Kevin Spacey actually doesn't voice Hopper in this one. That's Kevin Spacey the, uh, good. in the movie? It was yeah. Kevin Spacey in the oh, movie, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, continue. So, anywho, um, you go in and it's still pretty unsuspecting. And basically the idea of the show is that it's supposed to be this big showcase of all the magical things that bugs can do. And it is real things bugs can do. Obviously played up for laughs. They have the um, the Chilean tarantula voiced by Cheech um, who gets to shoot air, who shoots like kind of... Um, spikes at you but it's just air and then they have the soldier termite who's a parody of the terminator who sprays acid now of course it's just water so these are just kind of minor scares i mean for little kids i can see them being a little freaked out but this show goes zero to a hundred as soon as hopper pops in and it's a beautiful animatronic i will say that animatronic is worlds ahead of its time um and then hopper kind of comes in and he starts kind of attack um, attacking the humans and saying to them like oh you guys think we're like you guys are friends. We're not friends. Like I'm going to come after you. And he kind of starts showing these old reels of old movies. And then he pretends to like attack you with a fly swatter. And then there's a spray. And this is where it gets terrible. This is when torture. This is when this is where the trauma comes in. So he sprays the spray and the room fills entirely with spray. You can't see anything. All yep, you hear. With the haze. Yeah. <laughs> and all you hear is him saying, get your stingers ready. And then you're not even thinking about this, but the there's seams in the chairs. And all of a sudden, these poking kind of stick things come out and just brush your back. But you're not ready for it. I so, genuinely thought that that was a creation of my adult youth memory. <laughs> I can't believe they actually poke you. Yeah, that's so it's, wild. I thought it was air for a while, too. but I it is a mechanism. Me too. 
I thought it was air jets. I'm like, no, there's somebody actually poking you. Uh, and then, and then it gets really crazy. And he goes, okay, like black widows drop in and these monster sized, really wonderfully done black widow spiders drop into probably if you're sitting in like a living room, like an average size living room figure, like the ceiling fan, that's probably as low as they get to you. Uh, I disagree. Mm. I feel like they get at least, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I haven't been on in a while, but I feel like they get up to like two feet above your head. It's, it's oh definitely close. And I think that the distortion of the room makes it even worse for you. Yeah. They're gorgeous then, animatronics, though. They're gorgeous. All oh, the animatronics in this thing are, are incredible. All the way down to flip. Top notch. Talking to you. Like, it's incredible. I it would love out. to appreciate the beautiful work of the Imagineers that did this for us. But listening to you describe that, I was teleported back to 2002. <laughs> that was so wild. Yeah, that means- it, w- it was crazier than my memory thought it was that's terrible what, this is my new number one what i really <laughs> enjoy about yeah. this attraction in particular is that the 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 plot from hopper's point of view is like you humans will now pay for your crimes against bugs like that's the whole show <laughs> which i'm so that part i'm into yeah like All correct right. we have we've spent 10 minutes on <laughs> What is obviously the scariest ride ever, yeah. ever created. So let's uh, move on. Adam, do you want to give us your number five? Yeah, I will do my number five. My number five is a cute little ride that you may never have heard of before, that you probably never have heard of before. It is Knobles Haunted Mansion. Ooh. Yeah, so Knobles uh, is a family-owned amusement park in Ellisburg, Pennsylvania. It was opened all the way back in 1926, making it the oldest park I think we've ever talked about in this podcast. Um, It's also the largest free admission amusement park in the United States. Spooky. Which I love. Um, So this attraction opened in 1973 and has remained unchanged since. But it has been recognized repeatedly as one of America's best dark rides by the National Amusement Park Historical Association. Also spooky. Yeah. A spooky organization. I've never I've never been to this park. I never heard of this park before this, but I watched a couple of ride through videos on YouTube. First of all, the exterior is super cute. It's one of those old like it's literally just a porch that you walk onto and there's a little red cart and there's just a man there's like okay get in whoosh like that's it like there's no there's no stanchions yes. there's no you just walk up and you get on this car and you have a fun little adventure in this house it's very chill so and so where does the scare come in yes so it's a standard like old haunted house attraction there's not really one big uniting storyline but a lot of general scary fun. There's some really good jump scares, things that turn suddenly and pop out at you. It definitely feels like it's from the 70s, but for for the 70s, it's incredibly well done. There's uh, my favorite scene, I think, in the ride is one where you enter and it's an upside down like bar with skeletons who are sitting at tables just ha- hanging out and having a drink. And then you come around the corner and there's this like giant skeleton head with a hand reaching out of the car that pops out at you like the, like eight feet tall. But I enjoyed the bar scene so much. So there's like, psych, you're the drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, POV. POV, you are a drink getting slurped up by the skeleton. Um <laughs> It's also got a lot of fun, like classic haunted house effects where it's got uh, like the strings hanging from the ceiling so that it feels like things are touching you. It's got that truck that suddenly appears at you in the dark effect that like Test Track has and Radiator Springs yeah. Racers where you run the corner and suddenly the lights of a truck come on. It inexplicably ends with a scene in a jungle. I mean, I guess the truck, we oh. were already out of the house, but then <laughs> suddenly like you're in the jungle and the final scare of the ride. And now you're the rock. 
the final scare of the ride is just like some guy in the brush popping out and screaming at you and then that's the end of the ride and he killed you in the story (laughs) yeah you Um, went into the jungle i i discovered this park this ride while i was researching have never been on it but would like to um and then also all four ride through videos i watched of this had the same sweet looking old grandpa as the ride attendant so i think only one man works at this ride And he's always worked there. He's I, a ghost. I think he's the keeper yeah. of Knoebel's haunted mansion. And there's nobody he's else Mr. that Knobel. works there. Yeah. All right. My number five is Expedition Everest, also at Disney's mm. Animal Kingdom. This is more of an honorable mention. Okay. I was this ride opened in 2006. It tells a story of a, a touring, a, like a Everest tour company, and you like go through the tour room, and then you go through a temple, and they're like, but also the Yeti. And then the touring people are like, nah, Yeti's not real. And then you go on a roller coaster where indeed the Yeti is real. Now, I was 10 years old when I read this, rode this ride, 2008. I only went to Disney like before 2015. I'd only gone twice, once in 2002 and once in 2008. So when this ride premiered, I knew everything about it. I watched a travel channel documentary about it. Ooh. I knew how it worked. I used to love those. I knew everything about it. However, the story and the immersion factor of that ride were still like still put me in. I like walked into that park telling my parents about how it was a few feet short. The mountain was a few feet shorter because if it was any taller, they'd had to put a red light on it for planes. Mm-hmm. I told them how the how the Yeti worked and all this stuff. And I got on the ride and I was like, that's a real Yeti. I don't like him. <laughs> it was spooky. It, I got on it after the Yeti stopped working. Didn't matter. Still scary. Still big. And that's that's my story. It was scary and I loved it. Yeah, I believe it's still considered the highest point in Florida, right? I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's like a foot taller than uh, Tower of Terror. Yeah, it's taller than Tower of Terror. I don't know if it's taller than the Floating Mountains in Pandora, though. Chris, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I think Tower of Terror actually might be taller. Really? Um, Tower, of Terror really? Only, Tower of Terror is only one foot short of the red light rule. The red light well, rule is I 200 the- feet, if I'm not mistaken. I, it might honestly be, I, I just watched a video about Everest the other day, and I think it is, they purposefully made it like six inches taller than Tower of Terror just to just to get him. Just to get him. <laughs> I googled Everest Disney height, but it's just giving me the height requirement, so don't take anything five, four. we say for facts. 5'4"? Oh no, it's not 5'4", it's, it's what, 44 four, inches. 4 Oh my god, it's three and a half feet? Yeah, no, you don't have three, to be that tall to get on this feet, ride. Inches? If oh, right. you there had to no be five four, I'm I would barely make it onto yeah, I'm, Everest. I'm, I'm genuinely thinking of all the Hershey Park rides. Because <laughs> 5'4 was the height I was aiming for my whole life. Yeah, yeah this is a scary, scary ride. Beautiful, uh beautiful ride. Immersive stuff. And for folks who don't yeah, know the reason that it. the Yeti stopped the Yeti stopped working because the Yeti animatronic is built into the foundation of the ride and the more the Yeti moved the more it was kind of wearing away at the fa- at, at the actual mechanism and so in order to he fix moved the Yeti with the force of multiple tons <laughs> He was shaking the foundations. He was so powerful. And in order to actually fix the Yeti, they would have to dismantle that entire part of the ride. So it'll be a while before he starts boogieing again. Yeah, but he will someday. Alrighty. I will say I did. I All did right. actually get on there when it was operating the first time oh, really? I ever rode it. Um, and he boogied. It was, a, it was a long time ago, but that thing boogied six inches from my face. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That was definitely the closest any animatronics ever been. Actually, maybe not. I'll talk about that more later. But it was definitely yeah. very <laughs> realistic and it was incredible. 
All yeah, right. I liked the Disco Yeti, and I loved my... They, they sold a shirt that was like, I survived Expedition Everest, and I wore it all the time to <laughs> fifth grade. And it was like that tie-dye with like black and gray that looked like every single wolf shirt you've ever seen. Oh, yes. All righty. Shall we move to number four? Yeah. Four. Right, so, yeah, we mentioned it earlier. My four um, is actually a extraterrestrial alien encounter. Yes. Yes. And uh, more Michael Eisner and his hijinks. So I'll try to be super brief with the with the history here because it's, it's a very, very long story. And have, a lot of uh, great accounts on YouTube have done really, really profound retellings of it. But Mikey and the boys decide they're going to take over recently to all the parks. And they say, OK, I'm, Mike says, I'm going to take my son to the parks. Um, His son, and his, who is named Breck, by the way. Breck. Who's named Breck. Who and probably he's like, plays what? lacrosse. Anyway. Yeah, he's like 14 at the time, 13 or something. <laughs> and a Vineyard Vines was a thing at the time. Imagine Breck's wearing a Vineyard Vines sweater. Anyway, yeah. uh, okay. Breck is a teen regardless. And Breck tells his dad straight up. He says, hey, this place is lame. And Michael Bring Eisner. Bring back Minneapolis. <laughs> nope. Michael, Michael Eisner takes his opinion to heart and says, oh, absolutely not. I'm not letting this be lame. So he says, we're going to turn this into thrill, a thrill place, like a, a bunch of more thrill attractions, but not roller coasters. For some reason, that didn't cross Eisner's mind. So if you think that decision, if you think that choice is questionable, it's going to get more questionable from here. So he decides, okay, what franchise can we use? Alien. Incredible, (laughs) magical, futuristic Disney. (laughs) Alien. When you wish upon a star, the xenomorph pops out of your chest. So (laughs) the Imagineers, of course, are like, get out of here with your facts. We're not doing that. So another group brings the idea back when they realize the old Mission to Mars ride really needs to go. There was this old ride called Mission to Mars. It was a circle vision sort of because um, initially Eisner was like, we're going to do a, a shooting ride that would eventually make way for Buzz Lightyear. So finally, when they realized they had to use that circle vision area, uh, he went back to the team and said, please, like we can do this. We can make an alien ride. And the senior Imagineers were like, fine, but here's the catch. I'm not using the Xenomorph. That's ridiculous. So I said, okay. So he decided that he would use a brand new, a brand new uh, creature. So hence, Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter was born. Um, it opened in 1995, and it basically starred uh, Jeffrey Jones, that age, like fine Whoa. wine. Uh, as yeah, <laughs> as God, the all CEO these people of, in these attractions suck. Yeah, yeah. as a fictional uh, CEO of, of a company called XS Tech. And they were a interplanetary convention. Uh, they're owning the running the interplanetary convention center and they're going to demonstrate their advancements in teleportation. So Clench wants to go make a long story short. Clench wants to go see the guests in order to uh, greet them and answer questions about teleportation. But he realizes very quickly that they're not really on top of their game yet as far as how they're doing the transport. And it's clear that there's problems. So somebody does an old fashioned whoopsie daisy and accidentally sends a carnivorous winged alien. A big old monster. To the audience instead. Hell yeah. Big wingy boy. And big wingy boy breaks loose of his cage naturally. Everything goes dark. And that's when it becomes a little sensory playground, if you will. Uh, and it's not, it's not, you know, why I put, the reason why I put this above, it's tough to be a bug is this. Even though it's still disorienting and there's still creepy things happening around you, the bugs are, you know, poking you and ha ha, I'm going to crawl up your pants. Ha ha ha. This guy. <laughs> Mauls, yeah, I know what a weird sentence. This guy mauls a maintenance worker. You hear him screaming. You look up and you feel warm water as if it's his blood drop on your head. This was in the same place as Tomorrowland. Yeah, this is, is a in fun Disney World. <laughs> like Tomorrowland is a fun goof place where I get a pretzel and ride the people mover. Yeah, you get off this ride and you go, let's go see Walt's beautiful city of tomorrow and ride the people mover. 
I feel great. <laughs> this ride is nuts. <laughs> <It's a> spooky <laughs> ride. So and that's exactly what it was. It received a lot of very, very, very mixed reviews. It had a cult following. A lot of people were like, okay, this is kind of awesome. Um, because they do actually harness you in with, with uh, these restraints. For those who aren't familiar. because right, they were um, afraid people would run out. It is. It, I mean, it was a big reason why. they Because it was pitch black. And there are cast members in there with like flashlights. But, you know, in case a kid tried to duck out or something. But more so, it was, it was used to enhance the sensory experience. Because the alien landed behind you, you'd feel the pressure on your restraint kind of push a little bit. And then you'd feel hot air in your neck and saliva dripping bad, on your neck. Very bad, yeah. very scary. That was kind of the climax. So mixed reviews. A lot of it was praise at a cult following. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people have disregarded the warnings too. Granted, I defend them saying yeah. that it shouldn't have been in Magic Kingdom in the first place. But they right. Put um, that baby their, in Epcot. their complaints mixed with uh, the homeboy Jeffrey Jones all got it kind of closed up, and they're like, "Yeah, this isn't in line with Walt's vision at all." Eisner, what were you thinking? And then they made it better by bringing <laughs> our good better. friend Stitch, <laughs> and it became Stitch's Great Escape. One of the best rides ever created by Disney. I will defend Stitch's and Great Escape. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it is the stain on Tomorrowland that people th say it is. I'm right. I'm being serious. <laughs> okay, I love this ride. I loved Stitch. The only bad thing about the rollout of that ride was that they covered the castle in toilet paper, which I think is hilarious, but I feel <laughs> bad for all the people whose Magic Kingdom day was that day. You had your one stupid wedding that one day and everything was perfect. You paid, I don't know how many millions of dollars for that Disney themed wedding and the castle is covered in toilet paper. Yeah. And that dang stitch put <laughs> toilet paper on the dang castle again. Yeah. Alrighty. So, so yeah, that would be a uh, very scary. That is, that is definitely my number four. Um, I think I, I don't think it, I don't sure how much about it being well done. I would say it was a great sensory experience and I would say that it was definitely the scariest of all like, this true scary ride on my list definitely the scariest yeah yeah designed to be scary yeah exactly Alrighty, so my number four is <laughs> even saying the title of it cracks me up saw the ride <laughs> yes now S shout it to the heaven <laughs> saw the ride is in thorpe park which is a, a major theme park in the united kingdom in surrey uh the park opened in 1979 and then saw the ride opened in 2009 obviously based off of the horror franchise this was the first horror movie themed roller coaster and i think the only still but so it uh features a dark ride section and also a beyond vertical 100 degree drop which was the steepest coaster drop in the world at the time of it opened and the concept of a saw themed attraction is hilarious to me yeah, the only thing more hilarious is if they put it in Disney, in Disney World so that Michael Eisner could say it's a teen. <laughs> say, Breck, look, I made it for teens. Alrighty, so when you, you like it, Breck, I renamed it Breckland, and it's all spooky stuff now. And there's skateboards and and rocket pops. I bet you saw the ride would have lasted longer in Magic Kingdom than Alien Encounter Day. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, the when you go on Saw the Ride. The queue itself is all razor wire fences with various torture devices um, strewn about. And then once you get inside, there is a corridor with four shotguns hanging from the ceiling, which occasionally fire, which like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, two things there. One, like weird queue design. It is a reference to a saw trap. Right. But also, hey, Billy. Hey, Jigsaw. <laughs> What's the puzzle there? <laughs> Get past the shotguns if you want to live. And it's like, that's, they're just guns. There's nothing. 
There's no puzzle here to be solved, Jigsaw. Yeah. So also when you're on the queue, uh, Billy the puppet will appear on the screen to give you instructions and the rules of the ride. And there's also like capital B bodies in this queue. If Human you, real cadavers. If you didn't know what you were getting into. So you are in a saw trap. The uh, You get on the indoor section starts with these like two pendulum blades that swing towards riders. And then you drop near vertically to get you out of that sticky situation. And then there's a scene where these air blasts fire at you because there's syringes that are being shot from crossbows, um, which fly over your head, which an innovative, innovative weapon, may I say. Um, yeah. Then the, the train enters a heartline. You role. need to get vaccinated in the time of social distancing. <laughs> Have I got the tool for you? The the train enters a heartline role where uh, writers can see below them jigsaw in a pool of blood. And then water oh, is for him. Water is sprayed at riders to imitate blood. Um, and then you do the outside portion where it is a hundred degree vertical drop or beyond vertical drop into these big rolling like saw blades um yes and only 23 percent of the riders make it out (laughs) the uh the the ride itself has three inversions it hits up to 55 miles an hour eventually they did it's it's been met with mixed to positive reviews i'll say the biggest criticism is that it's really short the entire ride experience only takes about 70 seconds yeah i mean Three inversions is not a lot for a coaster. No, they eventually did a tie-in yeah, uh, haunted maze in the park called Saw Alive, um, which was uh, less of a haunted maze and more like a, a show experience where you would enter different rooms and see the different traps happening. Um, they still do that, but nowadays they only do it during the Fright Nights events. Um, this is another park I have never been to and ride I've never been on and I'm a huge roller coaster wimp I don't I'll do haunted houses all day I don't like big scary drops and going upside down so I wouldn't do this but I would like to walk the queue at least this episode is great because all of my rides are dumb rides I read wrote as a child and didn't understand all of your rides are rides you've never ridden and thank god we have Chris here to actually provide <laughs> the rest, some history the rest and of some my insight. rides are rides I've been on I promise okay yeah sure okay my number four is the Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney World <laughs> I think this is this such is a crazy pick spooky virus listen <laughs> I need to tell so let's flash back okay. I don't remember what year Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest came out elementary school maybe? for us yeah 08. we were young yeah 08 that would make sense so <laughs> it's 2008 I go to see my Nana in New Jersey and I say Nana I want to go see this Pirates of the Caribbean movie and she says no it's PG-13 you're too young you're not gonna like it and I go please Nana and she says okay I should not have seen that movie it was very scary it was a hard PG-13 and it's it it was very scary I didn't like it I cried I'm so sorry <laughs> cut to <laughs> A year later, I'm at Disney World and I go on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and five seconds into the ride, who do I see but that big scary tentacled man, Davy Jones, in a spooky water screen yelling at me and where I got sent right back to the movie theater with Nana and I didn't like it. And that's why it's my number four. Thank you and good night. Disregard the entire rest of the ride. Just that screen that pulls up in the first 15 seconds. That's the worst part. (laughs) Which they've since cut. Yeah, yeah right? good. It was because yeah. they finally answered my letters. <laughs> Last time I was there, they weren't doing the water screen, but I don't know. They're always doing new stuff with tech for that ride. Yeah, they uh, they I believe the, that water screen has since been deactivated. I think there were technical difficulties with it a lot of the time. OK. All right. Uh, Chris, you're number three. 
My number three, and probably the one I'm most excited to talk about. Uh, so my number three is actually Phantom Manor. Yeah. Over in Disneyland Paris. And because I believe Adam went over quite a bit of it in the Haunted Mansion episode, hit it up, check it out. It was really good. One of our best episodes. Absolutely. And uh, I'll spare a lot of details. Um, I'll kind of briefly fly over the story. Yeah, so, I want to uh, definitely talk about because you're you've actually been on it. I have. So yes. I do want to hear about your uh, own experience I, I, with it. I do want to discuss that, and I want to discuss the kind of cultural differential, because I think that um, Haunted Mansion rides around the world have done such an incredible job at that. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm going to have a degree in less than a year in French language and culture, so I'm going to flex that a little bit. So Do it. <laughs> so, Disney basically it is Disneyland Paris' Haunted Mansion, and fun fact that I don't think was mentioned in that episode, it's actually, the renaming came, one, as a theming thing, but also, and I just learned this today in my research, but they actually call it Phantom Manor because that's easier for the French to say. Because it's two, mm. it's two um, cognates, English cognates that are rooted in French words. Because um, mm. it's just it's just Phantom and Manoir. So it's, basically, it's so much easier for them to say because there's no actual audible H for a lot of words in French. So the audible H in English words is really hard for them. So they'd be like, Haunted Manchon. And they'd be... Haunted Right, yeah. And they'd be like, and, and I'm sure... <laughs> Someone in uh, Orlando would be like, what? <laughs> so so they uh, so definitely Phantom Manor is much easier for them. Um, it's eerie and mysterious, much like the French themselves. Yes. And it is a much more sinister tone, and that's what it's become famous for. So that's um, I do want to give credit to Mr. Jeff Burke. He is the Imagineer who was tasked with uh, the Parisian version of Frontierland. It was known at the time as Westernland because the French really like Westerns. And he, they, there was this huge problem that Jeff Burke actually solved. Um, they couldn't figure out where to put Haunted Mansion. Because I don't know if you've re- noticed this, but the Haunted Mansions, the two ha- the two major Haunted Mansions that exist, both exist in American, distinctly American-themed areas, Liberty Square and New Orleans Square. You can't put either of those in Paris. They're going to be like, what's this? So Especially New one. Orleans. Yeah, right. They yeah. have, so, they have so the Burke, old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why do they need a new one? They got the yeah, stinky old the, one. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> Josh, yeah they and just opened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and as we uh, talked about in our episode, the the two haunted mansions in the U.S. are distinctly based on American haunted mansion tropes of yeah. the like New Orleans manor and the what uh, the, the like Victorian the, kind of yeah Victorian northeastern colonial time yeah manor. exactly. So they had to figure out a way to make that adjustment again with Paris, and then they had to take that further and make it in for a French art. For, oh my gosh, I can't talk. I apologize for a French audience. And mm. that was kind of the hardest task because, as Adam mentioned, one of the funniest lines is that the French like to brood on things. They like to kind of think it's very European. They don't they're not good with just kind of getting their food, getting their show and then heading out saying I had a good day. They want to think about it the whole night. So <laughs> that's exactly what Disney delivered with Phantom Manor. So they tell this story and I'll be really brief about it with um, Henry Ravenswood, as mentioned in the other episode. He is this big time landowner. He founds. Thunder Mesa, which is the fictional town, and he is, uh, he finds gold, and he builds this giant mansion overlooking the entire place. Obviously, there's an earthquake that happens at some point, and that's why it's kind of a ghost town now, but before that, Henry's daughter, Melanie, obviously wants to marry this guy who's appropriately, time appropriately named Jake, and, yeah, you know, you Jake, know Jake. Most, most popular baby name of, 18, of 1850. <laughs> And do they wait, wait, Chris, I need to know, on the ride, do they pronounce it Jake, or is it like Jake? I don't think it's actually stated. Okay, bummer. It's kind of funny because I, I think they, I think they said, okay, what's the most American name we can think of? Jake. 
You're a genius. Anyway. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it technically it takes place in America, right? Yeah, right. because it's in it's basically it's considered the Southwest U.S. Okay. Yeah. So this so is it's like a Western yeah. frontier town. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fictional town called Thunder Mesa. So long story short, uh, Melanie wants to marry Jake. Jake's not rich enough. This is kind of a French dig at American capitalism um, oh, as to why good. Henry is sort of this evil sort of presence because he he doesn't he can't stand Jake because Jake's not rich enough. Um, so it right. is kind of a French to the French, uh, you know, hall hall capital you capitalist peaks. Um, <laughs> and they're uh, right. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're right. They're right. I, no, no, uh, no disagreement there. So he says, OK, I'll do the sensible thing that most father in laws do. I'll hang Jake from the rafters. Yes. So, Direct you know, action, you know, you like know how, how father in laws can be. Uh, particularly yeah. in France. So, so yeah, Melanie haunts the, haunts the mansion looking forever for her, her lost love, right? That's right. And that earthquake did kill Henry. I was about to get back to that earthquake. It killed Henry. Yeah. Henry comes back as the phantom. It's never explicitly stated. A lot of things are not explicitly stated. I'm glad you asked about Jake. And that's because of the language barrier. Because a okay. Euro Disneyland was designed to bring in some different languages. That's why, not just because Disney's an American company, as to why in Disneyland Paris, so many rides are 50-50 French and English. Mm -hmm. um this one being one of them uh but they yeah. do vincent price is actually the uh the english speaker yeah it was meant to be mm. truly euro disney not just paris disney like they wanted like because travel is so easy across european countries it was really meant for all of europe right for it was everybody. meant to be the disney of europe and i mean as depicted in any history of euro disneyland the choice of the word euro was not the best, no. but they did mean European, yeah. not not the money. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So the um, uh, so a lot of it's the same as the haunted mansion. A lot of the scenes are same with a little bit of difference. Maybe there's Melanie walking down the hallway here and there, um, but a lot of it's the same. So the stretching room happens, but that's Jake hanging up there, not the ghost host. And then the other brutal the part I want to talk about is the last part. So the graveyard didn't make much sense because there's not going to be a graveyard next to Henry Ravenswood Ravenwood's Manor. So they say, okay. We're going to, uh, the Phantom's going to kill you. You come across, you see the Phantom, he's got a noose kind of tied up and ready to go for you, which is probably by far the darkest part of the ride. And I said it to my friend who I was with, um, hi Jupiter, uh, my friend I was with, and he was like, oh my God, is that a noose? And I was like, yeah, he's holding the noose. And um, we started falling backwards. I was like, okay, I guess we're dead now. And we were going underground and these zombies, half flesh, half bone zombies start coming out and like coming out of their coffins and reaching out for you. And then like, you go into sort of this... Yeah, and then you suddenly go into this um, sort of morphed, like, twisted, backwards Thunder Mesa where everything's haunted and terrifying. Um, and that's kind of the wrap-up. Now, I will say, last thing I'll say on it is that when I did go back, unfortunately, I went I went out to Paris last uh, last summer, and that was for right after they refurbished it, which was a really, really big problem. So, uh, because they brought in a lot of the American elements, mm, okay, uh, which is kind of sad. Because like we came, we saw the hitchhiking. Like, he goes, ah, there you are. And I'm like, that's the thing from the American one. Like, I didn't come yeah. here for this. What are you doing? So yeah. they did bring in a lot of the American elements. They changed the story a little bit. I think now Melanie is a psycho bride, which we already have in the States. So I really don't nah. like it one bit. Um, but I did want to bring glorification to the original story as it was, because it's one of those beautifully written stories for a ride ever. So that is Phantom Manor. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get All there right. someday. Uh, Adam. Yes. All right. So number three. my number three is... Jaws, the ride from Universal Studios. The best theme park ride ever yeah. of all time. So it's like one uh, word movies and the ride. That's your thing. I know. Yeah. yeah. Jaws, Saws. Uh, I'll spare you um, most of the details. If you want to know more about the opening of Universal Studios Orlando, go listen to our Halloween Horror Nights podcast uh, episode, episode one. It was a shit show. The opening of the park and the podcast. But um, 
Yes. So uh, this ride opened with the park. Um, it was closed, unfortunately, in 2012 to make room for Diagon Alley, but it still operates in Japan and the original tram stop in Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, I think it's one of the best theme park rides, just period. And even though it's not yes. typically what you think of as like a horror ride, it's fairly scary. And Jaws is a horror movie. So, yeah, I. To me, the moment on that ride that jumps out is when you like you're going on this boat tour and the and Jaws is chasing you. Oh no! But the point when you go into the boathouse, yes, and you have to like, oh yeah, stay there. J- just so creepy. So like, really gets how to do horror within a classic theme park ride structure. Oh yeah, of this like boat ride. <laughs> Um, yeah. And because it's so immersive, you're like you're really in this boat and you go into these places for real. Um, it feels that much scarier. It takes place on Captain Jake's Amity Boat Tours, which is a tour company hoping to boost revenue and tourism on Amity Island following the 1974 shark attacks. Um, so you're supposed to be cruising to some of the uh, locations that, quote, inspired the movie. Um, when you come across a sinking tour boat and oh no, it's a shark. Ah. Um, so the shark chases you around, chases you into the boathouse. And there's a great big scene where it leaps up at your boat, which is really scary because that animatronic gets very close to your boat and rocks it. Um, eventually your skipper blows up a gas barge and electrocutes the shark and you see the shark's deep fried floating carcass at the end of the ride. <laughs> Which is amazing. Um, When the ride first opened, it was crazy buggy um, within the whole first two years. And it pretty much had to be evacuated at least once a day. Um, They eventually almost rebuilt every element of the the ride. And that was the version that continued on until the part until that ride closed. Um, I remember this ride rocks. I miss it a lot. I love Diagon Alley and I'm very happy it's there, but I wish Jaws could have gone somewhere else because it's so good. Um, the sh- part where the shark jumps up is completely terrifying. The animatronic is so impressive. And I remember riding and during the like the gas explosion scene, they have steam coming out. And like I truly felt like my arm hairs were getting like fried by these steam burns with how close you are to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that that whole like I mean, people did get like people complained for years that they got burned, although it was probably because they had sunburns. And then they're like, "Eh, please pay me money. This ride rocks. This ride rocks. I miss it so much. Um, I'm going to go to Japan and so I can ride it again. (laughs) Yeah. All right. My number three is Adam's number two. So we can kind of chat about this and I'm going to steal some of your note points. Go for it. Is the mummy roller coaster at Universal Studios. Revenge of the mummy. This ride is so So incredible. It's one of the most immersive rides in the world. From start to finish, the story being told is off the wall crazy. You're on set of the never realized sequel (laughs) to The Mummy. That sexy, sexy uh, 1999 film starring Brendan Fraser. The Brendan Fraser joint. And you're like behind the scenes and on set, he was supposed to wear this amulet that like the Magi protects him from the curse of the mummy and he doesn't. And so you go on this roller coaster, like this queue is beautifully designed. You're like in a temple, you're thinking, oh, this is probably going to be like a Spider-Man or a Simpsons where it's going to be like a, an IMAX theater, a, a globe theater that everybody's moving a, a simulator ride. No, no, uh, baby. But no, it's a whole dang roller coaster. It is so good. There's a drop track. There is like as a roller coaster enthusiast, it's a great coaster. Mm-hmm. There's uh 
backwards sections and a drop track and and it's just so 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 good adam if you want to if you want to gush a little about yeah, it. Yeah, I think my favorite part, like the coaster part of this ride is great, but my favorite part, honestly, is the dark ride portion at the beginning. Not only is the storytelling so great, yes. so you come in, you come across an, uh, a kidnapped and partially mummified crew member named Reggie who warns you to find the Magi Reggie. symbol. <laughs> and then Imhotep comes ha- uh, comes out and just wrecks shop on you. He brings you into his treasure room and he's like, serve me but then if you don't here come my scary mummy friends and then all these mummies pop out from the sides and then shoot a ton of fire up at the ceiling of the attraction and out so much fire there's a really cool effect called brain fire where it like floats through the ceiling and the way like the 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 fire pattern is it looks like a brain um Eventually, like you, you hit this wall and they use air jets to make these like scarab beetles that scatter all over you in your car. Um, there's one part of the ride where he goes, your souls are mine. Then you launch at 40 miles an hour. Um, and then at the end of the ride, you find the Magi symbol and the day is saved, but not before Brendan Fraser is kidnapped by the mummy. Um, yeah, which is a great ending. <laughs> which, yeah, th- this ride is so incredible. Like it, it is possibly one of my favorite rides of all time. Yeah. Uh, like Adam said, like the dark ride parts of this ride are so well done and the way they interlock with the coaster features which mm-hmm. are also like engineeringly <laughs> engineeringly impressive from an engineering standpoint like makes it that much more immersive and that much more spooky it's it's so 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 good yeah and it was pitched universe like the the concept universal was going for was a psychological roller coaster so even though the coaster itself like i'm not a wimp and i love it it's not that scary or i am a wimp right. and i love it um but uh, it, it was pitched to be psychological. So playing into the fear of the dark, the fear of death, the fear of bugs, the fear of fire. Like they wanted to add all of those onto your ride experience. And I think they did a great job. Yeah. So, so, so good. All right. Chris, what is your number two? So my number two, we're going to stick in Universal. And my number two is actually Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is my favorite ride in all of Orlando. Just hands down. This thing's awesome. I absolutely love it. Every second of it went on. And uh, it opened on June 18th, 2010. It's definitely the most technologically advanced attraction on my list. And it also, I would argue that it's probably the best queue line in the world. Oh, yeah. Hands down. No doubt. Hands down. It's not even close. Um, Which is okay. Only... It's, it's it, good because the li- line is always three hours long. Yeah, oh, yeah so. but it makes it worth it. It's okay. Like you see like 120 minutes, you're like, that's fine. So yeah. you uh, you basically go through Hogwarts for anyone who's not, who's not aware. Um, and everything you've ever imagined from the books in childhood comes true right right in front of you. And it's really beautiful. Uh, you get on these the ride and I want to talk a little bit about the ride mechanism. So mm-hmm. I thought for the longest time it was a roller coaster. It's not. It's a dark ride that's attached to a robotic arm. So think of like Spider-Man, but instead of like the car being on this sort of platformy thing, you're just suspended on this robotic arm. Yeah, I think it's a really great ride. And like it's it's honestly the peak of my thrill level. Like it almost goes upside down, but doesn't like I don't mind getting thrown around like that. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the the ride mechanism reminds me of like a a mix between like Soren and the Spider Man ride. Yeah, I always tell people it's like Flight of Passage, like on crack cocaine. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote yep. Spider Man on crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So all right, so just Chris, throw mine in there. Soren yeah, on Chris, crack cocaine. Chris, tell me what makes this ride particularly scary. Yeah. Yeah. So because I need it, to hear it. What makes it scary here is actually two particular scenes. So it does go between uh, scenes that are on screens, like a fully encompassed screen. 
and then real life set pieces. So the actual animatronics used are terrifying, and I don't, I can't think of a ride where you get closer to them. So the first yeah. part is when Hagrid loses his dragon, and all of a sudden you're you're chasing through the forest looking for his dragon. The dragon sees you finally. You turn around, and all of a sudden there's an actual animatronic dragon head, probably up two feet from your face, and it blows fire at you. You get sent backwards. You get sent into the Forbidden Forest. This, for me, was the scariest part. Um, there's giant spiders, not my jam. Um, and there's giant spiders in the Whomping Willow. So like you a go foot the from Whomping you. Willow, literally a foot. I cannot, like, I know you're probably thinking, like, it probably wasn't that close, Chris. You're probably, like, you were probably freaking no, out. No, they're close. I could, <laughs> if, I, if I had enough span in my legs, I could probably kick an eye off that spider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were right there. They were enormous, right in front of your face. And then it happens again with Dementors. Um, and uh, with the Dementors in particular, one of the coolest parts is one of them finally, like, gets you a cornered and then it starts to i'm not as harry potter verse forgive me harry potter fandom um but it kind of like sucks your soul out yes that's what it's a mentor guys yeah okay good one for one uh <laughs> and it kind of sucks your soul out and um you actually if it's doing if it's working that day you actually see your face projected in front of you yeah as if your a, soul is just left a your screen body. it's very cool it is so sick and then um, i and i think what <laughs> a lot of these scenes do is that it just makes it, um, they use darkness, and then they use light very strategically. So the light only flashes when the spider is two feet away from you. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, you know, like, I think that's the yeah. element they use that makes it really, really scary. Especially because yeah. the spiders don't really move, and those flashing lights in the same way as Disco Yeti kind of give the illusion of sudden movement. Right. I was just about to say that it, it it that ride is kind of a culmination of a lot of different techniques in theme park rides mm-hmm. that were executed kind of poorly in other rides like the Disco Yeti, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> now uh, looking at looking back at it and something like with the mummy, which I think actually does it very well or Space Mountain, where in a coaster or any kind of thrill ride using darkness enhances the intensity of an element even if the element isn't that extreme mm-hmm. so the movements of of your your broomstick in forbidden journey are actually not that big of physical movements but because you're moving through darkness and light in really smart ways it you 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 feel like you're swinging through the forest and then you come right up to this spider and then you swing away and it is it it's a brilliant ride yeah i cry every time i ride it because it's just so beautiful <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. So my number two is Mummy, so we don't have to go over that again. But Devin, what was your number two? My number two is Tough to Be a Bug, so we can oh, also skip over amazing. that. Amazing. Chris. I think we can go to our number ones. For the All best. Right, we'll back to back. Yes, the best scary themed. I mean, I can do my number one first, so that way you get a slight talking break. Um, but mine's also short because my number one is the Haunted Mansion. I knew it. Mm, you knew where's it. Where's that one? We all knew it. It's a perfect ride. It is a ride without flaw. Go back and listen to our Haunted Mansion (laughs) episode. The Haunted Mansion is my sweet, sweet wife, and I love her very much. I could go on it all day, every day. One of my favorite things, actually, when um, I started working at the Magic Kingdom, they do for new cast members of each park uh, your own special training day where it's not really training, but it's like a tour of the park and they'll always take you on a ride and the ride they take you on or they took my group on was the Haunted Mansion, which was the like the best introduction to the Magic Kingdom as a cast member that I could have gotten. It was incredible. I loved it. I will always love that ride. I hope nothing bad ever happens to it. Well, lovely. Uh, I'm a Disney cast member brag. Chris, what is your number one? I'm not anymore. Attraction? I'm not anymore. I was. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one and i um i will take this one to my grave um is the tower of terror without a doubt in my mm. mind 
Uh, I that was almost on my list. Mine too. Absolutely adore this ride and everything about it. And I will say, um, based on what I evaluate on my rides in, is sort of like how scary is it? Like like scary, and also how much creativity went into it is kind of original. Things like that. The Tower of Terror just blends everything so well, and the attention to detail, I think, from a Disney perspective, not counting the super new stuff, um, is really unmatched. And from the moment you walk in, you're really wrapped into it. Uh, it's it's eerie. It's it's a spook. It's so spooky. Um, <laughs> that one's kind of rambling, but it is based on Rod Sterling's Twilight Zone, as you could probably imagine. And the premise is that you're in an episode of Twilight Zone where you're in an abandoned hotel that was once a crown jewel in Hollywood. The story is retold uh, by a damn good Rod Sterling impersonator, like a really good one. Yeah, because uh, he had family. passed away by the time this ride opened, right? He did. Yeah, right. and the um, they my understanding is that the voice was an impersonator, and the images you see in the pre-show um, mm-hmm. were recycled ones that some editor went to town with and just really that's awesome wow it was so incredibly well done i was so convinced like there's no i'm like how do they do this i was actually it's and that's hard when you get to this this point going to disney to be really spellbound by something they did i was really spellbound mm-hmm. so um he's explaining in the pre-show that uh the story of the episode is that this family got into the, got into the um elevator in 1939 lightning struck it the elevator sank to the bottom. It effectively killed everyone in there. Um, and they their spirits haunt the entire hotel and thus left it desolated and abandoned. So being the fools you are, you uh, you go into the elevator uh, and obviously hijinks ensue. So I do want to discuss a little bit first, though, the uh, the lobby. Um, because oh, so the beautiful. lobby is one of the spookiest, like you talk about spooky stuff in this podcast. Like this is one of the spookiest places I've ever stepped into. I um, could live the cast there. members go in there periodically to update the cobwebs. My personal favorite fact, they hired three guys. One guy sat in the corner drinking half a drink, uh, drinking tea. They told him drink half a cup of tea, put it down, get up and go home and we'll pay you. The other two guys, they said, you want to play dominoes? Sit down, play dominoes, play half a game. When it's about halfway through, get up, get out. They left it there ever and since. And it's part of the decor now. Yeah. That's so, some stinky tea. That is like some that game, stinky the tea. Domino, the, yeah, it probably is. The Domino's game especially is so sick. I'm not sorry about the tea one. They could have just fixed that one. The Domino's one, I think, is much more exciting. Yeah. Like, they brought in two guys to play. They didn't just set it up. Like, I don't know how Domino's work. Here, put these here, here, here. Be done with it. They brought in two guys to actually play and then just abandon it. So I uh. thought the, the dedication in that room is incredible. The score is so well done. They take these former jazz bops and they put them in minor keys. Um, it's just a beautiful soundtrack. I study to it. I do homework to it. And um, it is uh, just just unmatched. And the ride itself uh, becomes spooky as well. As you're going up, they do the iconic Pepper's Ghost effect that's been mentioned in the Haunted Mansion. With you're looking down the hallway and you see that, ele- um, that ghost family I was referring to earlier sort of pop up. And then you go up one more floor and you see a normal hallway, but then it kind of disintegrates into base kind of like the twilight zone intro if you're familiar and you see all those weird hijinky things from the intro like the door and the eyeball and all this stuff and i think the biggest fear factor in tower of terror 2 is the suspense that's what i think that's that that suits it because rod sterling and hitchcock at the time were the two biggest suspense artists that the world had come to know um mm-hmm. and a lot of it is because based on the ride being um randomized right when he right when he decides you're going to drop you might drop right after he finishes talking you might drop 25 seconds later you don't know oh, so all you can so do good. is sit there and scream additionally last yeah. thing i'll say is that when you do drop you'll drop and there's this cable that pulls on the elevator so you're actually dropping faster than the speed of gravity you're not dropping with gravity it's not just yeah. letting you you're go not like a drop, actually like a drop dropping tower. you're being pulled down you're being pulled down is yeah. what i mean to say yes you are you yeah, are being that ride. yeeted <laughs> Yeah, that ride is so, so, so good. When we talk about theme park rides, I mean, the most 
the the ride most built on suspense is either the roller coaster or the drop tower Mm -hmm. and the fact that disney took a drop tower and made it more suspenseful through immersive like theme park elements is so 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 cool and it's kind of the opposite of my number one ride so your number uh, one pick i have some beef with but i'm gonna let you defend it first (laughs) okay my number one ride is poseidon's fury (laughs) This is Universal a very hot Islands take. of Adventure. So the story of this ride is so wild. The original Disney's Animal Kingdom in the 90s uh, was supposed to have a fantasy aspect. There's supposed to be unicorns and, and dragons and stuff. That ended up not happening. And a lot of the artists and designers who were originally working on that moved over to Universal to help with the Islands of Adventure concept, specifically the Lost Continent, mm-hmm. which was a part of the Islands of Adventure that uh, was set in Greek mythology. The ride was originally known as Journey to Atlantis. It was going to be a madhouse theater where the room would rotate around guests, kind of like that weird uh modified swing ride at six flags yeah, yeah, Adventure. yeah. oh wow yeah <laughs> then they were gonna uh make it into a simulator ride like spider-man but you know it was the 90s people were into weird stuff uh one of those weird things were water projection screens that was the hot about theme park Haunted. thing in the 90s yeah well it was just like you know 70s were lava lamps and in the 80s they loved hairspray and in the 90s it was plasma balls and water screens <laughs> naturally yeah so They eventually developed it into this kind of multi-room theater that you would walk through and would use, uh, tell a story of battling gods uh, with this really horrible CG animation. And it opened in 1999 with these giant, it it ended in, you would go through a tunnel with with some running water and then end up in this giant theater where everybody stands and one entire wall is water projection screens in front of which are sets and fire geysers and a bunch of crazy stuff. The story in that was batshit crazy. Poseidon was mean and grumpy and he hated everyone. So they shut it down and they reopened it in 2001 with a whole new story. And one year later, little four-year-old Devin family decided that this was the perfect attraction to take him into because he loved Greek mythology and loved Poseidon so much. And this was a bad idea. It was still the, it was, it was the same ride experience, but a totally different story. Didn't matter to me was still very scary, didn't like it, big, very loud, booming voice man, and big fire geysers, I didn't like it. <laughs> but in all seriousness, by like, look into this ride's history, it is absolutely fascinating. But when I was four, I really hated it. And I cannot, I, I've been on it since, and I still get like sense memory scared of this ride. It's not even a ride. No, you just it's walk not. It. Just walk. It's not a ride. It's not a ride at so- all. It's an experience. I don't hate. And it's a scary experience. <laughs> this ride is so wild. Uh, like it, it's not a ride. It's, no, it's, it's the opposite not. of a ride. When when we talk about, and that's one of the things that makes it worse for me, because one of the things I love about theme park rides is the way you riding it enhances the uh, story being told, specifically in Universal and Disney. I ride strictly thrill rides anywhere but Disney and Universal all about roller coasters i've ridden every single roller coaster i've ever like been near but when it comes to disney and universal what i'm into is the story and the immersion and and the way that the theme park elements inform the story like tower of terror is one of the greatest rides ever created because it is just a drop tower but because of disney it's a twilight zone episode that you step into poseidon's fury is just a room it's just And nothing about the design of the experience enhances the story being told. It's just a loud man being very scary and be and yelling at young Devin. Okay. Spooky. So 
I have less beef with you now because now I understand you didn't put this as your number one because you thought it was the best attraction. It was just the one that scared you oh, God, most no. as a child. I yeah, see. Yeah, it was top five scary attractions. I see. Number one is yeah. the scariest attraction. I see. Which is uh, definitely Poseidon Fury. I won. If I have done everything else in Islands of Adventure that day and I still want to do something, I'll go and do it. But this is a poorly done attraction. Yeah, it's awful. I uh, My senior year of high school, my class was lucky enough to go to Disney. And one of the things we did outside of Disney was we did a high school lock-in at Universal uh, when the when the park was closed. Right, so right. from like 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., we just, just had Universal to ourselves. That's fun. And we rode everything like five times. <laughs> and then somebody suggested we go to Poseidon's Fury and I sat outside of Poseidon's Fury while my friends went on this ride because I did not want to go on it. All right, that's that's valid. Yeah, one out of ten stars. Very bad. We've gone uh super long. Yeah. But I don't think that's a bad thing at no, all. No, I don't think this was a fun discussion. It's so much fun. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, uh, thank you for your all. expertise. Oh, thanks yes. for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. We were originally going to have you judge our lists, but both of our lists are bad and your list is very good. So <laughs> I think you win. I'll say straight up, honestly, I think of all the ones we discussed, the one that would straight up scare me the most was the one in Pennsylvania. <laughs> ah, just I thought you were going to say it's tough just, to be a bug. No, no just you should watch a video. Out of me. It's just not cool. Like, I just don't watch like a video of it on YouTube. It's great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. And Knobles is a great place. You should go to it if you ever have the chance. Um, and I, I say the uh, I say the grandpa outside of that ride should be one of the heroes of this podcast. That's my, yes. that's my parting. Yes, he my parting wish. He, he's now on our team. Oh, yeah, we have to find out his name. Lawful good. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this. Our ninth episode of the great american scream uh if you liked us you can like and review us on itunes you don't like us you rate us rate us five stars uh you can also share our podcast from wherever you listen to it anywhere and tell your friends about the show it's the best way to spread the word adam pimp those social medias yes um you can follow us on, uh, follow us on twitter at, at great scream pod we are also on facebook at the great american scream uh if you would like to suggest a topic for the show or just give us general feedback or loving kind words or spooky words um you can tweet at us at great scream pod using now i noticed we've been using the hashtag tgam and now i realize yeah. i don't know what that stands for <laughs> The Great American Scream. Oh, how did I do that? I don't know how we did that, but should we stick with it or should we go back? To, should we ask people to go back to to gas? How did I do that? To I don't myself? know because I kind of like the sound of to gam, but to gam is good, but it doesn't mean anything. Does it mean anything? <laughs> to me, it's, it's the Great American meme. I guess. Let's, I don't know how I did that. Let's That's fix it now. Tweeted us using the hashtag uh, T G A S. For the great American T gas. T gas. Okay. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are also now on Spotify, which yes. is very exciting. We are also wherever else you get your podcasts. So be sure to look us up wherever you like your podcasts and rate us on that service because it means that more people will listen to us on that service. And if you think it's so good, tell your friends about it. Yeah. I guess that's it. I have been Devin Wright. A uh, special thank you to Michael Segudo for usually doing our intro, but not right now. And maybe for this one. Maybe for this one. Anyway, for real now, because yeah. the last one was I cut out. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And I've been Breck Eisner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and go get spooked. Go get spooked safely. Safely.